the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show episode number 678 with I your host Agostino Zynga this is the Agostino Zynga show episode number 678 with I your host Agostino Zynga and I hope you are doing well wherever this lovely pod may find you I hope you are doing swimmingly how am I all good all things considered I cannot lie I cannot hate I cannot stunt all good things, all good, all good on my end, all things considered. Um, you may be seeing me in some bit of light now. Um, I did went, I did go out and actually improve my equipment and bought myself a nice little light bar. So there should be some good light coming in from this way. If you're watching it via the video side of things, if you're listening to it via the audio side of things, why don't you check the video portion out of the show and see me in somewhat full HD? I did try and upgrade my setup and use the light bar with my flipping webcam, my little trusty um, Logitech. Um, what is it? This is the legendary one, isn't it? So I think it's like the C920. But for some reason, mine broke. I was using it for a while. So I guess sometimes maybe the cabling or something inside's gone on it. Um, it's gone pop, no more blue lights, not plug it in. So I'm just going to have to use my iPhone for now as I'm doing personally. But I'll end up getting this repaired again. But it's just like, that's what happens, isn't it? You end up buying equipment to boost the stream using the equipment you already have. Then the equipment you already have breaks. <laughs> and then yeah so uh but i bought this ages ago i remember this was a thing that i bought time ago which i'd never really used to ex full extent if you look back at some of the earlier videos on my channel you'll see this was used pretty well because i think i was I'm doing a lot of video streaming at, in a day so with daylight and shit you know it picked me up well but then when I was using it at night it wasn't the best because it doesn't really have good you know it doesn't really capture people well at night so you need light bars and LEDs and shit and I didn't use it for a while so I'd switched to my iPhone because the iPhone's got a pretty good lens like the one I'm using now so it can kind of you know it kind of takes in a lot of light so um there is an ability to kind of film um these things when there's not a lot of natural light coming in and um I remember when I did buy this there was a worldwide shortage of these Logitech cameras. I remember there was, this was, um, this might be just before the pandemic started. There was a big, if you guys remember, those of you who remember in the chat, those of you who listened to this after the fact, you'll remember there was a bit of a hustle going on with people selling these on Amazon. These are one of the products people would be selling for like two times the value or whatnot because, you know, basically everyone was working from home, but no one had working from home good equipment. So they'd be going out and buying microphones or whatever, laptop stands and, you know, webcams. And these were selling like hotcakes. And it got to a point where these little Logitech webcams were selling for like two, three times their value, which you shouldn't buy them for. Because I think retail, of this is like 60, 70 pounds here in the UK. You shouldn't be paying anything more than that for this anyway. But people were just buying them, you know, off rip and going flipping crazy. But anyway, what can we do? Um, LED bars here. We're using that for the moment. It's going to improve my time when I'm kind of streaming. It's going to make me sweat a bit more. So if you're wondering or if you're curious about seeing what my, you know, MDMA sweat looks like, 
you're gonna see it now with these flipping bars over here. So big up the MDM, big up the MDMA sweats when you're not when you're not on MDMA, which is kind of my life really, isn't it? Looking sweaty and clammy, even though most of the time I'm not on drugs, which is really horrible. It's probably better to actually be high and actually be tripping balls and look sweaty than I do. You know, a little jog down the street and I'm flipping covered in fucking water all over my face. <laughs> I'm getting onto a train covered in water on my bike covered in water running covered in water grabbing some wa some the waters off of the fucking shelf covered in water where it's better if I was actually was tripping but people just look at me thinking why is that guy so leaky and wet I'm like guys I can explain but then you know cut your hands are covered in water you don't touch people they're running away from you so it's a bit of a mad one. It's a bit of a mad one. But anyway, um, big up everybody that's tuning in. Appreciate all of you for hanging in there with me. I know it's been a while. Apologize for the absence, but you know, guys got a life. You got to live as well in that. You know what I mean? Everyday life and all that malarkey. You can't be, you know, on the interwebs every single day, which I probably am anyway when I'm not streaming. But hey, it is what it is. But thank you anyway for those of you who are tuning in live. I appreciate every single one of you. So, loads of to get in and quickly. Um, to start with, I'm going to just run through these topics I've got here on the Flipping Action Zinger Show. And those of you who are watching this live and you're wanting to hear a random show, please come back in about an hour and a half. I'll have a random show for you guys because there's loads of stuff I need to catch up on on the comedy side of things. So a random show should be starting about an hour and a half. Um, and then I'll kind of run through all these topics I've got to talk about culturally on the Action Zinger Show for you. So if you want comedy, all that good stuff, then come back in an hour and a half and I'll have that for you. But if you want to stay, you're more than welcome as well. So big up the chat, big up everybody. It's hanging in there. I appreciate you all. Um, big up Natashki. What have I been doing? Yeah, nothing really, to be fair. I've not been doing anything. I'm not going to lie. Um, I went out to the movies, obviously. I talked to you, spoke to you guys about that. I tried to actually go to Burt Kreischer's premiere for his movie, The Machine, but unfortunately, I, I wasn't available. It was like a one day, from what I remember, it was like a one day release. Let me just double check my phone, but I'm pretty sure it was like a one day release on like the Thursday, and I couldn't go because I was busy. Um, so that wasn't possible to do so for the most part i've been doing that going to gym for a little bit oh the, the gym's been a good update actually i switched to another gym so i'm finally going to this other gym near me um which is a branch called pure gym and essentially it's a 24-hour gym um and it's different from the one i was going to before the one i was going to before was essentially like a leisure center in the uk that's a cent that's equivalent to like a ymca you have it there in the states so it's really not the greatest kind of looking place but it's cheap i remember the place i used to go to before was like 24 pounds like all included right in terms of classes and the gym access like just insane and also swimming i think included too which usually gyms always add swimming on top and classes on top right so it's a separate fee so that was good but obviously it's a bit hood it's a little bit rinky dink there's randoms in there it's just not the bestest vibes in it which shouldn't matter really but once you start going to a gym a lot you start to realize you know there's little things that you can kind of prioritize so this is why i understand people who pay a hundred pounds 200 pounds to go to crossfit gyms or to go places like equinox because it's got the little things extra like the people that you like to see around there good music decent equipment space and shit all that good stuff so now they open a new gym called pure which is essentially like a a better version of what i was going to beforehand but the good thing about pure gym is that it's a little bit expensive in terms of the monthly rate so i think if i was paying 24 at my old ledger center this one's like 30 quid now but of course in the name it's 24 hour access which is fucking incredible all you need is a fucking phone with a qr code you scan yourself in and you're you're ready to go and the equipment in there and how it's spaced out it's pretty decent and just based on the clientele which you shouldn't really base a gyms on like that but everybody in there regardless of shape and size and weight 
is really on it. You know what I mean? They've got their gym gear on. They're not on their phone all the time. They're not just posing around, wasting whatever. They're there to work out and do their bit and kind of go home. And this is kind of cool to see. And the classes are always packed and whatnot. So I'm enjoying that, to be honest. And I've only been there once anyway, so I'm not going to say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been there loads of times, but it definitely was um incredibly good. Um, So that has been awesome. But to be honest, I really, really did want to check out the machine. I'm not going to lie, because I think there's been a lot of weird kind of conversation around it and i feel like people aren't really able to be i wouldn't say even critical was it i'm not sure if, i'm not sure if it's a, if it's a if it's a if it's a critical mindset type of thing but i think there should be an ability even if you don't like somebody and then you find them annoying to just say hey i can see the validity or the rationale behind this decision and i can also envision this thing working out you should be able to do that. So Bert Crasher being a good example. He's not the most likable guy in the world. He can get a bit annoying. He's a little bit intense. He's somebody you can only deal with in small doses. I understand it. But if you just kind of take a zoom way looking out of it kind of sort of thing, you can kind of understand why that machine story would make for a good movie. Even if you don't believe the story to be true, whatever you think, just looking at it from an objective point of view, I can get why it would make for a good movie. And I can also get why in this current climate that we're in now where all movies suck, um, especially the movies nowadays we get from Hollywood, they're all in incredibly politically, you know, drenched, you know, loads of cultural war nonsense going on in there, loads of um, representation nonsense. Like normally wants to just tell a good story and put in a good movie always ticks these kind of boxes that don't really make any sense so if you do put together a decent enough movie that is a laugh that gets people to kind of unplug from their regular struggles they can go in watching without any judgment without being lectured to i can see why it would do well you know if it's just straight up funny it's it, it doesn't take itself too seriously um it's just like a good time it's a good length people are gonna you know people are gonna want to flock to it so i can see where it's successful but i can also understand in this hot day and age where all hollywood movies have to cost fucking over 50 million i can also understand why it's not going to break even because just the amount of money put into it and the people they've got in terms of the cast were pretty stellar to be honest for burt's first movie to get the people that he did for the first movie is pretty decent so maybe they might be hemorrhaged in terms of just the production cost and the fees for the actors and stuff in terms of making break in terms of going break even but i was hoping to go watch it because i really did think that it would be a decent movie to watch in a cinema just as like a cinematic experience those kind of you know comedic movies are kind of you know you need to watch them in that sort of environment i would imagine but um you know i don't know i see other people online not really willing to like give it a chance because they dislike <laughs> they dislike bert so much which is really really strange but you know I, I get it i understand where it's coming from i know what you guys mean but i think in general if that was me i would try my best to kind of make it work and so far, I can't see anything that's showing that it's available to show actually in London. I'm just having a little scan through here to see if I can see anything on here. When I type in the machine tickets, I always get like Florence and the machine. So I guess the SEO isn't the greatest on that regard. Let me see if they've got anything on here. None, zero. Okay, cool. I guess there's nothing we can check out then. There's no really, um, nowhere showing it, I don't think so. Let me see if I can see... Let me see if I can type in London, see if anyone in London is showing it. Because I think it was like a limited day release sort of thing. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was one of those sort of things. So if you didn't watch it on the day that it was out and the various cinemas it was in, then you couldn't watch it. Yeah, so it's no, no, no listings at all um, in London. Zero. No listings in London whatsoever, which is a bummer. But hey, what can you do? Anyway, talking about movies and talking about stuff that I enjoyed, have you guys seen this? Sisu. I watched this over the weekend and I'm going to, 
categorically say out here, hot take. Sisu is a better movie than John Wick 4, chapter 4. Sisu, the movie that just came out, is a better movie than John Wick 4. I don't care what anyone says. In terms of action, it's the best. And the guy in it rarely speaks. If I'm not mistaken, um, it's based in Finland. So it's a Finnish movie with, with, with subtitles, of course. And essentially, it talks about the... Um, it's based on the Second World War, the end of the Second World War. So just as the um, the Nazis are basically, you know, um, they're basically accepting defeat and they're all basically gathering their resources, getting the last of the remaining, you know, loot that they can get from neighboring towns and kind of going back home, quote unquote, to face the music. They kind of cross paths with a... Um, with a former general of the Finnish army who just lives in isolation by himself, right? And he essentially lives by himself in some random place where he's digging for gold. And he essentially is trying to find that gold in terms of the way to kind of get him back out from, you know, depths of poverty and kind of try and rescue the owner of his family, blah, blah, blah. But he's only, he's there by himself. So this army crosses parts of him and it basically charts the entire story of them essentially taking the gold from him, obviously by beating him up and him essentially enacting revenge and killing everybody, essentially. <laughs> That's basically what it's about. And I swear to God, it is so fucking good. And from what I understand, it was filmed on a shoestring budget. I think if I'm not mistaken, something like 10 million or something stupid like that. In terms of effects, in terms of the fighting was really good. Supposedly the lead actor is in his like 60s. You'd never guess it. He's incredibly, incredibly, you know, really, he's really good at fucking, you know, acting in terms of, you know, fighting and shit, combat. He barely says any words. If I'm not mistaken, the first words he actually says out of his mouth are right at the end of the movie. Everything is done in like grunts and groans and long pauses and really amazing shots and stuff. Like, honestly, the acting in this movie is so good, especially from the supporting cast because the main lead guy doesn't act. He doesn't say anything. He just acts with violence and shit. But it is so fucking good. Really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it just because it didn't try and tell this like, nonsensical story that had to include diversity and shit there wasn't some random black dude just popped up with dreads who <laughs> happened to be <laughs> a soldier in the, in, in the third reich or something it was just a really fun time in terms of a movie and i really fucking enjoyed it um short length as well if i'm not mistaken it was like 90 minutes runtime or something like that really easy to watch no not didn't take yourself too seriously and in my opinion, a far better movie than John Wick Chapter 4, which I watched eventually. And again, maybe it's laptop. It's a laptop movie era that I'm in at the moment where the majority of my movies I'm watching are on my laptops and whatnot. So it's not probably the best. I'm not the best judge for these type of things. But I do think, to be fair, that a lot of these movies, they don't pass a laptop test. Like, it took me a while to get through John Wick Chapter 4. It took me a strong while. It took me like a good couple of days. I broke it up in like 20 minute increments and I kept getting bored, get using my phone, opening different tabs and shit. And then I eventually finished it, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as um, exhilarating or it didn't keep me on the edge of my seat or hold my attention like the other chapters did. And I felt like just in general, the stories kind of played out. Um, it didn't really, you know, spark my, you know, interest in, in that regard. But Sisu definitely did. And I really recommend you check it out. The premise behind it was good. Just how it's kind of played out. The fact that he doesn't talk that much. And it's the story is just told with these other people around supporting characters, kind of adding, you know, um, adding kind of a color to the story and filling it out and stuff. And it's a perfect length. 
and it worked really 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 well and minimal cgi as well from what i can tell some special effects of course but minimal and it does really really well to be fair so definitely check it out if you haven't already it's called sisu it's finnish um i think sisu the whole time around it's a finnish word for like never giving up it's kind of a finnish word for kind of you know being a dog and never accepting death and shit and honestly this guy is amazing so if you haven't checked that out then i do recommend you check out that movie sisu next i want to check to talk about this so the last couple of days or no yes yesterday or the day it doesn't matter recently a few days ago doesn't matter when exactly but i went to this little um shindig this little uh, powwow sort of thing that was kind of what would you call it essentially like a live podcast panel discussion type of thing called the monthly digestive with sydney sydney lima sorry um i'm not really too familiar who sydney lima is um i was kind of recommended to go to this thing big up my guy gab um who i kind of obviously met through the podcast which has been pretty sick to be fair meeting some of you guys irl and seeing that you're all kind of normal and cool and chill people which is nice kind of restores my faith in humanity so big up gab um recommended to come to go check this out and we did so not too bad in terms of that kind of getting my comfort zone and checking out things that i probably wouldn't have checked out if somebody didn't recommend it to me but one thing it did do is it did remind me of just how you know, people say this a lot on like UK Black Twitter that the UK is bad vibes, and this is a good reminder of it. Like the UK definitely is bad vibes, but it's not just you know, um, it's not just specific to a particular race. It kind of it kind of covers all socioeconomic, racial kind of levels. So UK is just bad vibes overall, especially if you're somebody of any kind of note, worthy or celebrity or an influence, whatever, and that be that whole system or scene system just works really strange. So this event was like a panel discussion. Essentially, what they do is that they have like a host of topics that they have. Um, I think this one they had, they were talking about AI, they're talking about OnlyFans. They were talking about happy, what happened with Philip Schofield, the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp thing, and a few other things, right? And they have like these topics that they have, and then they have like, you know, notable figures in culture who sit on the panel and kind of speak through it. And obviously, it's hosted by this lady called Cindy Lima, who, if I'm not mistaken, is sort of like a vice journalist type of figure person. And then she got um, John Ronson, who most of you will know from his books. Um, so You've Been Publicly Shamed, and The Men Who Stare at Goats and stuff. And he's been on Rogan a few times. Uh, Grace Campbell, I'm not familiar with she's a female comedian allegedly and then this person raven smith who i'm a big fan of um i've read his book men and i've also been a fan of his writing in general because i remember i stumbled across one of his kind of articles on berghain um which kind of really spoke well and kind of put into words you know some of the feelings that i have about the club and the scene and everything that it kind of means and whatnot so fairly people that i'd be obviously interested in right i'm, I'm gonna be a fan of them but one thing was for certain having been there it's like panel discussion was that it's just really hard to crack the scene it really is difficult and you really have to kind of accept that if you do want to crack the scene if you do want to be a part of things cool little subcultures whatnot you just have to be willing to kind of have your head down in the pillow and your ass up in the air you just have to be willing to do that like there's no other way to kind of get around it there's always going to be that level of like you feel like you're begging you feel like you're coming across a little bit too try hardy you're coming across corny you're sucking dick it's just unavoidable not to feel that way because the other people on the other side kind of always operate from a point of like superiority like they're kind of staring down at you you know what i mean like they're from they're up there on the balcony as your pins are up there you know on the ground floor holding your hands out looking for some you know looking for something to nibble on so the show the, the whole show itself was pretty decent i think for a live podcast that, that, now i understand why people don't like going to live podcasts and stuff because 
it's sort of strange because it feels like a conversation happening in a room that you want to take part in, but it's not really a conversation. It's just them talking on stage and you listening in a crowd. So you want to, you feel like you want to say something, you know, like if you're in like an after hours or if you have like a party, a dinner party or whatnot, you're like all talking about stuff in it. You're all kind of, you know, jumping in and sharing your opinions and whatnot, making each other laugh. But in this occasion, you just have to sit there and listen to the people on stage say what they're saying. And sometimes it's nonsense, sometimes it's funny, whatever it may be, you, just, you know? So that kind of, there's a weird kind of thing to get used to your mind in terms of like realizing, okay, this is not, you know, it's not an invitation to speak, just sit there and listen. So that's a bit strange to get used to. Then of course the topics weren't, you know, the most topical ones of the of you know of of the of the month or the week that you can kind of go through. I think the whole Amber Heard joint depth thing is a little bit strange, whatever it is what it is. To kind of speak about now, whatever, we kind of move on. But then one thing that was interesting was that at the end, you know, we'd spoke about the topics, it kind of went through what it went through. And at the end, when they kind of, you know, wrapping up there was no real option to kind of talk to the guest or the panelists. He kind of was like, yeah, we're done now, go on your way. And they didn't really create any kind of like time to kind of hang out or network or whatnot, even though everybody in that room would have probably got along and probably share a lot of similar interest. You know, the fact that we all made the effort to kind of go to this thing mid midweek, pay money, I think it was like 15 quid to go to the thing and whatnot. It kind of, you know, it would mean that we all kind of would get along, but there was no real kind of, it wasn't created in a way where you could hang around. And as soon as the event opened, everyone kind of, you know, ran away, scurried away, like, you know, like rats or something, or like cockroaches when you turn on the light and shit. So that was a bit mad. And then when we finally did get a chance to speak to the panelists after the event, <laughs> when we did finally get to speak to them after the event, bless my guy, bless my guy Gab, innit? Because, you know, I felt a little bit bad because I felt like maybe at the time, even though I have a matter of fact way of speaking, and maybe sometimes it can come across like I'm being negative, which I don't mean to. I just know what the situation is and I just know what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. When you were speaking about, you know, linking and building and connecting and networking and stuff, I was risen I really didn't really give it any encouragement and whatever because I know what these people are like. It's like, yeah, but you know, do what you want to do. So he goes up there and kind of tries to go and, you know, have a good chat with the people that run the thing and Funnily enough, the the person that looked like they were the chillest and the coolest to talk to was the camera dudes, but usually they're the ones because those are the guys that actually are the important kind of you know infrastructure of that whole scene because they're they're documenting everything, recording it, you know, making sure the audio is right, the video is right, and they probably do loads of other different events and whatnot. And it just generally, you know, they don't really not threatened by people. It just chill. So he seemed pretty cool. The camera dudes that we were speaking to or that I was speaking to, and then when it came to the moment of like talking to John Ronson, Grace Campbell, and Raven Smith. It was really interesting because as soon as we started introducing ourselves and talking, you immediately got a little bit of a, oh, like, you know, like, oh, okay, nice. Thanks. Uh, hey, I'm a big fan of you. Love your books. Love your articles and stuff. It's, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, okay, cool story, bro, but get away from me. Like, they couldn't have made it any more clearer that they wanted nothing to do with us whatsoever, which, again, is interesting, but it's not surprising because, in general, in the scene, that's what it's like. Unless you've got a little bit of clout and people know you and whatnot, there's always going to be a bit of a top-down relationship, a little bit of a, I'm the star, I'm the person that you came to see, but we're not the same. You know what I mean? I'm over here, I've got the followers, I've got the money, I've got the success. You're there, you're the you're the customer, you're the peasant, you're the one coming up, but we don't need to communicate outside of what you saw on stage, which is a little bit, you know, sad and whatnot. But the funny thing was just a reading that I knew that was that what was was true because I knew straight away that the person that was definitely gonna not like us was this lady called Grace Campbell, who I'm not really familiar with, but allegedly she's a comedian. And um she was speaking, I think when the topic of like 
Amber Heard and Johnny Depp came up, she spoke really, really passionately about all men essentially thinking that because Johnny Depp got found innocent in a court of law and Amber Heard got found guilty of lying, that allegedly all men now think that all women are liars when it comes to sexual abuse or sexual assault harassment or something, which is an insane statement to make. But, you know, maybe in her life experience, every guy she's come across has used that verdict as an excuse to be misogynistic. Who knows? Maybe that's true. But when she came out of that statement, I was like, oh, she's definitely not going to like us. She's just not going to like the vibe because I know, you know, I know sometimes without you even saying things, just the way you carry yourself, especially in the scene, whatever, people can just read what you're about. I don't know what it is. It just is what it is. Um, I've spoken many times on here on my podcast already about my real desire and need and wanting to have gay friends. But for some reason, every time I try to communicate, you know, break bread, network with gay guys, they just don't, they don't vibe with me in the slightest. Maybe because they can feel my, you know, ultra cisgendered cisgendered male vibes whatnot they just don't want any parts of me so i'm sure that grace gamble girl had the same sort of feeling we came up we shook their hands or not shook their hands but we said hi hey john ronson hey mark raven smith fan of your work and kind of say hey to her and she was like yeah hi like, like you know what I mean like distance and then as we started talking you know little power with John Ronson and Raven Smith she made it very clear I was like um I'm actually gonna go to my friends like you know I'm actually gonna go to people that I know and I want to hang out with <laughs> and she left like she couldn't get away from us quicker she did what nothing to do with us whatsoever she looked at us and was like nah these guys aren't I don't want them to be my fans I don't want to get to know them nothing so she was not having any part of it John Ronson also wasn't the warmest guy ever to be fair um I was actually more surprised I'm not gonna lie considering his mannerisms and his voice and how kind of you know small he is and shit I was legitimately surprised that he said he had a wife because that's what he said on stage like oh shit I just I just assumed he was gay I didn't know he wasn't but that was what it is but that's that that's an aside but he wasn't also the nice the warmest you know a couple of words exchanged and then he was like yeah I've got to go now which was kind of funny and then after we left he was still standing there <laughs> but Raven Smith was really nice he was really really nice Raven Smith so again you know all it takes for me is like a little a little good slight interaction for two to five minutes and then suddenly now I'm your fan for life so when Raven Smith puts out a new book which he confirmed on stage he's got a new book in development or something that he's writing I'm gonna jump on in there and kind of get that book and try and get it signed most probably so I'm gonna he's gonna he's made the fan for life of that thing but I think in general to kind of sum this whole thing up is like this kind of reaffirmed my theory on the scene and my fear in the scene isn't just like, you know, it isn't kind of negative. It's more so just based in reality. And the reality of it is, if you're willing to kind of put up with the awkwardness of trying to get to know these people and trying to break down that little barrier and basically spread your cheeks out for them and kind of really make it clear that you are you know um, a fan and kind of put your pride and dignity to one side you can make it I swear to god you can make it um, because all of my friends or people that I've known who stuck around longer than I did because I kind of gave up pretty quickly after the time that I was working at Nike and I realized the whole Nike thing didn't really get me anywhere and people were still basically trying to stunt on me even though I had a pretty decent job in the scene kind of thing and I realized you know what you probably it's probably better to spend more time just actually being really good at what you do and actually creating amazing products creating amazing experiences cultivating communities all that good stuff and resonating with people than actually worrying about networking and shit that's when I realized that it wasn't for me but everybody that did stick around around from that time of me being at Nike so maybe like 2008 period or whatnot to now all those people have been very successful 
in the scene. So the whole like adage that I have of just not communicating with those people and removing myself completely isn't the right way to go about things. I don't think so. I think you can, there's a middle ground in terms of doing the work and also being around there. But you also have to be willing to put up with that kind of conversation where you go and speak to the, like you imagine you pay a ticket to go to see these people speak. Um, you're engaging in the conversation. You're happy to be there. You're laughing at all their jokes and shit. And you just want to have a little bit of a power at the end of the thing. You're not asking them for their numbers. You don't want to go hang out with them. You're just shooting the shit. And they make it very, very clear that they don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> not even like on a courteous level. It's just like a purely, hey, I'm here to give the talk. You guys keep keep it moving. There is no powwow. There is no inspirational talk here. No inspirational message. No encouragement to keep doing your thing. Nothing. It's just, this is it. It's transactional. I'm the star. You're the present. It kind of makes you think, man, that's a bit of a bummer, but at least they're clear, you know, at least they're clear. So I think in general, if you're a scene kid and you're tr out here trying to do your thing, I think you're better, you're, you're in a better position, I think so, to focus on actually being really good at what you do. Like be amazing at what you do. Be undeniable at what you do. Cultivate your own little community. And what you should do then is then try and be extra, extra nice once you blow up and someone else comes up who wants to kind of get some knowledge or get some info or motivation from you be extra nice and kind of correct the wrongs that you've kind of seen i think that's the only way to kind of fix things in general but if you're going in there thinking you can fix people already that are kind of in position and doing their thing i think that's a bit of a waste of time because they just are what they are so it isn't really a judgment on these guys because you know I've, I've seen these people all my life really hanging out in the scene i know what it's about but it was a really interesting reminder of just what they're really like because I think we came there with good vibes we came there with a good energy but they just weren't feeling us in the slightest like in the slightest I can't deny it they weren't feeling us in the slightest and you know it could have been helped with the organization of the event I think these type of events where you know it was at the London Edition Hotel um, really swanky hotel in central London near Tottenham Court Road um, it could have been helped with some little adjustments they could have maybe had um, a little 10-15 minutes bit in the beginning where they encouraged kind of networking because there were some free drinks provided by some gin company so they could have had those kind of you know around the table where all the gins are the bar where we can have time to talk and powwow maybe maybe you know change the seating plan to remove some seats on the side and make it a little bit concentrated in the middle so everyone can kind of pack in so we're close to each other maybe have a section in the beginning of the show where you get people to kind of shake the hand or introduce themselves to the person on the left and the right just to kind of break the ice and shit these are all corny things that you you hear about then when you when you go to flipping you know um work bonding trips or like church and stuff but they do work in terms of getting everyone relaxed and chill um little jokes and shit maybe encourage people to you know ask questions at the end of this q a and rank people throughout the whole panel and then maybe have a bed in and say hey guys we're gonna end in a few minutes but just be aware the panelists will gonna stay behind if you want a quick chat grab a selfie or sign a book then you can do that but they didn't do any of that thing it's just kind of you know it was just kind of a show we still we, we sat there we heard them speak and we kind of had to go away kind of thing which is a bit you know disconnecting you know there was you know, lack of community whatever vibes there but again just a, another reminder of just why i kind of stopped going to these sort of things because you know there's no worse feeling than going up to somebody who you rate <laughs> and then making very very clear that they don't want to speak to you <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing worse than that the worst thing actually was that grace campbell girl because that comedian woman was like 
she came into that panel like with a lot of baggage like she was you know she come into that panel like on some i hate men shit like which i don't even know why that 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 why that was a beef to begin with and all of her answers were like you know drenched in some level of that and she just wasn't having a good time she said she was a comedian and i was thinking raw your comedy shows must be torture and then when we finally did go and speak to her at the end she probably felt that vibe from us and was like yo i'm out i don't want anything to do with you guys and kind of bounced straight away so big up grace campbell um hopefully you get it sorted whether you need sorted but moving on from that moving on from that um it also made me think in general that's probably why live podcast things don't work in it because they're, they're really odd events like i said they're really strange places to go to go and sit down somewhere which is strange really to think about it because what's different between like talking and singing or like rap it's not that weird really but for some reason there's something very strange about sitting in a crowd and watching people having a conversation on stage but you're not taking part in any way shape or form it's sort of as you just sit in there it's very odd interesting to see I don't know. Maybe that's why I don't go to like TED Talks and stuff and whatnot. There's something odd about that whole exchange in general um, that I didn't really vibe with. You know, and again, this is a small auditorium. It was like maybe 25 people, 30 people max in there. But what do I know? Anyway, moving on with that quickly. Why to speak about this quickly? Speak about this. This is courtesy of Art concert channel and it features the blessed madonna back to back with high and i wanted to quickly mention this because i've never seen this before in terms of a stage design and production and i feel like a lot of these festivals out here will cost an arm and a leg it's a you know cost a million to fucking camp there and to get there and flights and accommodation but the actual production of the shows or the festivals aren't that interesting it's the same shit just a table some speakers and there you go bob's your uncle right some of them don't even have fucking screens i thought this was a really clever way to kind of get around not having screens and just a clever way of maybe creating space and a clever interesting way to do the set design so this is at a festival called nuit sonnes which is i think is night summers or something right i don't know what what that means in french son sonorous but i know that's night in french but it's a festival based in lyon and this was a back-to-back -back set that was happening between the blessed madonna and high um uk legend london legend stand up and i thought this little mirrored effect that they had on stage was really really clever in terms of creating an ability for the people in the festival to kind of see what they just were doing behind the decks and also create like an interesting visual people watching it after the fact so i'm going to play a clip from the dj back-to-back -back performance now And as you can see from the beat, can you see that? So as you can see here, where DJ, where Bless Madonna and Haya on the crowd, there's like a mirrored thing on top of them, hanging on top, right? And it's sort of like hung at an angle. So essentially you get to see the DJs playing. You get to see them from the top down as you're in the crowd. So it kind of creates like a, like an interesting screen type of thing. So it's not a screen. So it's not maybe as expensive as actually getting a screen. And it probably isn't just a heavy piece of glass because the insurance now would be crazy. It's probably just a, what you call it? It's probably plastic, right? A very reflective type of plastic that they've kind of stressed out, I would assume. And you can, but you get the ability to kind of see at least two angles of the stage 
which I feel like creates like a better experience if you're at a festival, especially if you're like far behind and you can't see them performing or whatnot. I quite like that. I think this would actually even work in nightclubs if they wanted to. But in the festival, especially during the day, this is fucking perfect. They play a little bit more of the clip. And they've actually got, if you see behind it, they've actually got another screen behind them, actually. There's actually another screen too. Another kind of, pla I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it's a plastic material. It's some sort of a plastic film or something along those kind of lines that they've kind of stretched out around the back. So you kind of have it around the back of the stage as well to create a kind of illusion of space. And you also have it hanging above the DJ. I think it's just a pretty cool idea. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there I'll leave it there but yeah before it gets crazy High was on a mad one um, big up High also this is another reminder um, and kind of reminded me why some DJs don't like doing back to backs as much as I like Bless Madonna I think she's a decent DJ High was on another level High really showed her up like she was on another level you could, you could the, the worst thing about back to backs is that you can tell when somebody's doing really badly because you can tell when the other better person comes on all the time even if you're not paying even if you're not watching the video you can always see oh yeah that's the other person because their track selection is just on point like especially if they're playing just two tracks you're like oh your selection just keeps getting better and better and it's two tracks only but you're just smashing the two tracks again and again and again so i really recommend you check it out um it was a live stream they had to take it down for a bit i don't know i'm not sure why and they had to re-upload it but still um i watched it live when it came out and it was fucking fire so definitely check it out and i think um this festival nuit sonores is definitely one to kind of add to the list especially with it being in Lyon in France which I've never been to and I think in general festivals are a really good excuse um, to kind of go traveling to far-flung places that you probably wouldn't visit if the festival wasn't on there and um, this is a really good option to do so and I think these videos these live streams that they do are a really good opportunity to kind of get more people to kind of visit these festivals and check them out and obviously to help the DJs and whatnot but I think ultimately the festivals benefit the most because people look at it and think oh rah this is my kind of vibe the crowd as well from what I could see looked very um, you know the range in terms of ages was interesting you know the last thing you want is to be at a festival where everyone's sort of the same age whether they're old or young a nice kind of range across the board kind of help everyone kind of looks chill um even though it's packed it still looks like there's space around and stuff everyone's got shirts on so you know it's not super cool cold or super hot so all that stuff kind of adds to it and just a little added benefit of like what they did with the stage design just kind of adding some little bit that probably didn't cost them too much but maybe logistic wise took a bit of work but just little thing just to kind of increase 
the fucking um, production and value factor for the audience, I'm all for it. So big up this festival, big up Best Madonna, back to back with High. Recommend you check it out if you haven't already. Um, really interesting and for me, really cool um, set. I'll probably link it in the description too if you want to check it out, but it's on there courtesy of Art Concert, RT Concert, Art E with the E on the end concert on YouTube. You can find it on there. Bless Madonna, back to back with High moving on from that what you guys are saying in the chat quickly see what you're saying here people are saying we just had movement festival in detroit yep i've heard about that one Koyla, big up you my guy sounds like a deal to me mr Harvey says meanwhile people worried about the mess um users getting dirty like grow up true pack of sardines people said i don't know whether to jam to the track or run <laughs> people suck the yeah 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 run or jam that's the, that's my constant kind of you know decision making process when i go to festivals now at the moment anyway what am i doing running or jamming um next up next up next up next up we have to talk about this we have to talk about this so have you guys seen this finally 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 camp flog noir festival has been confirmed and it actually got confirmed in epic fashion actually um it got confirmed courtesy of um kendrick lamar and baby kim's new track i forgot the name of it. i think it's called hillbillies or something um tyler decrea makes a cameo and he's standing outside dodger stadium with his two cars um, i think he's nova i think it's called one of the nova cars i've got this it's like a it's like a rally car and also an old Rolls race i think if i'm not mistaken and he's out there on the front flexing with Kendrick Lamar and Baby Keem. And he reveals a pin on his jacket that says Camp Flognor um, Carnival 2023. And a lot of fans, myself included, have been wondering when, when has that festival, when is it going to be confirmed? And it finally got confirmed. We've got a date and also we've got a web, website um, splash page for interest. And it says here, Tyler the Creator presents Camp Flognor Carnival November 11th. Um, to the 12th 2023 at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles it's going to be fucking amazing and I honestly have to say in terms of artist-led festivals this legitimately is the best one and I went to this many years ago I forgot I forgot the last time I went to LA it might have been 2015 it might have been you know way before that but whenever I did go that was the first time that I'd been to Camp Flognor, but I've been to a couple of other kind of artist-led festivals in general. And I think this was definitely up there as the best because it wasn't mostly focused on Tyler. And just in terms of his taste, he booked some really interesting people. Um, the, everyone that was there was also really cool. It was just cool to kind of go to, again, kind of similar to when I went to kind of Afropunk. Is it Afropunk? Is that what the festival's called? I think it's called Afropunk. Um, it was just interesting and to go to these type of things that you would normally go to and be one of only five black people to suddenly go to these events and see a ton of cool you know black kids there just hanging out enjoying themselves and shit and connecting and kind of vibing with them that was also chill to see and just loads of people who are really really into the music because that's the one thing you do get with Tyler Creator fans. There is a section of Tyler Creator fans who are super weird and a little bit too involved in his life and whatnot and a bit obsessive. But there is also another side of Tyler Creator fans who are incredibly into their music, um, incredible, you know, love playing instruments, produce themselves, are very creative in their own way, shape or forms. And it kind of really does resonate with the audience that you see out there. So for me, in my opinion, I think in terms of value for money, it definitely is one of the better festivals out there. The only shame is that i feel like the heads up's a bit late for a festival in november i feel like promoting it now just beginning of june feels a bit later i would have liked them to confirm dates sooner so i could have had the ability to kind of buy tickets to kind of go because flights out to la even this far ahead in london are just crazy um but i would have had a better chance to probably attend if i knew the dates maybe in january or february but you know 
you know, it kind of is what it is. But then the interesting thing, I think, is the passes, the VIP passes and stuff and the packages and what you get with it. Because I think this is probably one of the best ways to kind of sell a festival, in my opinion, personally. Um, because I feel like you get some real value for money. And again, maybe because I'm just a, a fanboy for Tyler anyway, but I think this is pretty cool. So you've got some packages here, right? You've got a, a two-day general admission pass, which is for $335. And again, think about this, right? This is what I'm saying, that whole like, what's it called um skank fest and shit i could never justify buying a ticket to go to skank fest because look at these music festivals i'm going to see some of the most important and most you know amazing artists in music out young or old surrounded by really cool and interesting people from all over the world who are also fans of the music and shit and there for the right reasons for two days in sunny la for 335 dollars but then you've got Skankfest tickets going for like 400 plus and shit, like to see some sweaty comedians in a fucking tent. Are you having a laugh? No way. So anyway, the regular free, the regular two day general admission pass is 335 pounds, um, $335, sorry, plus fees. But then the most interesting part is this. You've got two day VIP admission pass for $595 and the merch package for the VIP pass, right? So this is the first level. Look at the, what you get in the package when you buy this uh, VIP pass. You get a backpack, a new golf backpack that hasn't come out yet, I don't think. You get a golf snapback. You get a, I think that's a snow globe. You get a flask. You get a carabiner. You get another little baseball bat handle thing you can put on the side. And you get some notebooks. You get like a, I guess a notepad, like a camp vlog and a notepad. And another thing you can kind of draw in and shit, yeah? which is pretty cool, I think, for the VIP pack. Because I think separately these items are quite pricey. I'm sure the bag itself is already $100. So I think this is pretty cool. Value for money, right? And then if you scroll down and you go to the two-day super VIP package, um, you get this one in the VIP merch package. Look what you get here. You get a bike, right? So you get a 29 or 26-inch BMX, which is the bikes that Tyler loves to ride around. You get a Kank Flognor, um, you know, kind of festival picnic towel thing. You get a bum bag. You get a mug. You get also some notepads and also you get an up-and-coming pair of converse and golf sneakers that are soon to come so imagine that for one thousand how much is it one thousand four hundred ninety five dollars you get all of that you get the bicycle which is probably going to be about nine hundred dollars itself the shoes about a hundred dollars this the rug maybe about 200 300 depending and some bum bag and whatnot and the cup and i think all this stuff is stuff that you would casually I would use on a daily anyway. It's stuff that you'd actually use. It's stuff that actually be helpful. Um, you know, you got the bike that you can kind of go out straight away and go exploring, take some cool pictures, go out and start drawing and shit and exploring your town and city, not sitting at home. You got some cool shoes you can wear, a bum bag, a mug. Like all this stuff is fucking awesome. And I haven't seen this type of stuff from merch packages. I think for the most part, the stuff that you do see for festivals is like drinks and shit or maybe yeah drinks apparel or whatnot you don't ever see like stuff that you can actually use real world so i think both packages are pretty cool um obviously the one with the bike is absolutely amazing to check out but i'm i love it and also you have you have these add-ons as well you can get two day unlimited carnival games as well because that's the kind of whole vibe that they're going with it but i quite like this man honestly i quite like this i quite like this Oh, yeah, so Natashki's saying, how are you going to get the bike on the plane, though? Yeah, good question. Good question, Natashki. I think what you would do is maybe um, maybe they can get it shipped out to you. I don't think you're going to get it 
there on the day. I think it's something they're going to send to you after the fact, I'd imagine, because I think that even the shoes aren't out yet because the shoes are blacked out. So I'm assuming you're going to probably get those stuff sent to you later. So you buy it and I'm assuming, depending if they can ship the stuff overseas, they'll ship it out to you most likely, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, so VIP, yeah, so VIP, okay, we're not, I can't get it. So it says here, VIP admission is only available for US domestic orders, unfortunately. So I can't get that. So the only one I could, that's international is the one with the backpack, this one here. But the bike one, you can't get it international unless I was to do it and and order it via a proxy and get someone to, to receive the delivery and then send it back out to me, which is fucking long. But still, I just like the whole premise around it and the whole package he's doing. So big up Tired of Creator, big up that festival. Can't wait to see more things from then going forward. Moving on from that, quickly want to mention this because I feel like this is good to highlight because I have spoken about this a few times on here about these whole instances and what should happen. And this is courtesy of Huffington Post. And it says, actor Danny Matteson found guilty of raping two women. So for once, in these kind of, you know, occasions where a very prominent celebrity guy or whatnot gets involved in some sort of issue involving rape or sexual assault, sexual harassment, and they get, you know, found, you get charged with it, or maybe someone goes to the police with it. Now we've actually got some, you know, a matter where it actually did result in the person actually getting charged, like for real, and being found guilty, which is something that doesn't happen a lot. For whatever reason, the conviction rate when it comes to rape, especially, is disastrously low, especially in Europe. I'd imagine it may be even in parts of north america so this is a pretty decent outcome all things considered and also i feel like it's a cautionary tale and a warning to some of these comedians out here who are crying and complaining about you know some little court of public opinion cancelling that things could be far worse you could be found actually guilty of the stuff you've been accused of or people can spread some not so nice stories about you being a douche in terms of dates and stuff and maybe ruin your reputation but it could be far worse because this guy is like you know legitimately a rapist in this regard so it says here a jury has found that 70s show actor danny matterson guilty of raping two women at his hollywood hills home in the early 2000s the jury is, uh, was not able to come to a verdict on additional account of rape involving a third woman. This was the second trial for the 47-year-old actor and Scientologist. Prosecutors said Scientology officials protected Matheson for years after he drugged and sexually assaulted women. The women who also were Scientologists testified that the church barred them from making reports to the police. Scientology in the fucking mud once again, isn't it? Fucking hell. All these religions, organized religions regardless, whether they are new ones, whether they're the conventional religions, they all seem to have an issue with reporting and supporting people who are reporting crimes that involve sexual misconduct and just, you know, protecting victims in the first place. They always seem to be willing to protect the person doing the raping or the pedoing as opposed to the victim, which is always bizarre to me because you'd imagine churches or religions, um, you know, I don't know all these places you'd imagine they are they're kind of like a sanct they're like a sanctitude what a sanctuary a safety right is it sanct sanctuary yeah well a sanctuary from like the horrors of the outside world but if anything they're even worse than the outside world um it continues jurors deliberated for eight days before returning their verdict the original trial ended on november the 30th 2022 with the jury deadlocked in all counts after extended deliberation sorry which had to be restarted when two jurors got covid madison pleaded guilty um, pleaded not guilty sorry to the charges and didn't testify in his own defense in either of the trials of course Look at the face. That's definitely a face of a guy that wouldn't 
you know, defend themselves because they know he's guilty. Um, the second jury, comprising seven women and five men, was the first to hear allegations that Madison had drugged his victims, which Judge um, Charlene Omeldo had not allowed in the original trial. The jury only heard that the women had been incapacitated when Madison allegedly raped them in separate instances at his home in 2001 and 2003. The defendant drugged these victims to gain control. He does to take away the victim's ability to consent. Deputy District Attorney Ariel Anson told the jury in a closing argument on May 16th. Do you want, do you want, sorry, do you want to have sex? You don't have a choice, Anson said. The defendant makes that choice for these victims and he does it over and over again. The first victim testified and said that Madison smothered her with a pillow and threatened her with a gun during an attack in 2003. Fucking hell. While she was um, semi-conscious after drinking from a glass of alcohol he had served her. Madison claimed that he had consensual sex with the women. His defense attorney, Philip Cohen, sought to discredit the women in closing arguments, pointing out inconsistencies in their stories and suggesting that the prosecution focused on Scientology to disarm from other problems in the case. The judge ruled that the more evidence related to Scientology could be heard in the second trial, allowing former Scientologist official Claire Headley to testify as an expert witness to the pushback on the church denials about his policies and principles, which the critics have described as controlling and abusive. The women who are no longer Scientologists testified that the church barred them from reporting the assaults of the police, blamed them for alleged rapes, and harassed, intimidated, and stalked them. Headley, who sued the church in 2009 after years of rising through the year's ranks as a C org religious leader testified that his policy that you do not call the police without specific authorization and by the laws of scientology it would be a high crime to report fellow scientologists to the police without permission church of scientology spokesperson karen powell flatly denied that such policies exist in the church the church has no policy prohibiting or discouraging members for reporting criminal conduct on anyone scientologists or not to law enforcement Powell said that the statement to the Post, she also called um, the stalking and harassment allegations an attempt to money grab by the raped, by the alleged victims who also are suing Madison and the church in a civil suit. Fucking hell, mate. And again, for me, this is a cautionary tale for most people out there. Like, if you get away with it, you get away with it, just keep your head down. But this whole complaining you see these guys do, especially some of these comedians, the Brian Cannons, the Chris Lears about cancel culture, like you haven't been cancelled. Your fans basically don't care, but Hollywood isn't interested in hiring you because you're bad for business. That should be enough for you to be happy because, you know, that's smart on your name. Having the R word charge next to your name or being a pedo, it's just a hard one to shake. So the fact that you've got that as a career to fall back on in terms of podcasting or creating content should be good enough for you because there's guys like this who's like a conventional entertainment industry person, part of the whole entertainment industry thing, machine, once you get cancelled in this way or once you get found guilty of a crime, guilty of actual rape, guilty of it in a court of law, it's basically impossible to come back. You have no basis to come back because you haven't really built an audience. So the fans that you needed to kind of care about you and, you know, and just support you in your downturn aren't there because they only support you through your movies. They don't really know you as a person um, and basically you're done. So essentially your life is completely over from now on. The life that you used to lead beforehand of kind of playing make-believe in front of cameras is done forever and ever, which maybe some people would say is just deserves for the crime he's committed. But I just think in general, like I said, I just think some of those guys need to just 
count their blessings at for whatever reasons, whatever charges they have, especially with the Crystalias and the Brian Cannons of this world, those sort of allegations they have against them are just allegations so far. There's just a lot of he said, she said. It really seems like so far they're hard things to kind of um, prosecute in a court of law. That should be a good thing. That means you can kind of quote unquote get away with it, fix up your attitude, fix up how you move and essentially try to be happy with what you got. But for some reason, these guys want the world. They want to be able to just do and say what they want with no repercussions. They want to be able to kind of still exist in the industry with no requirements and how they behave and shit. It's just a very, very strange way to kind of live your life. But in general, um, this guy sounds like he deserved it. It sounds like he's absolutely guilty of what he did. So bury him under the jail. I have no you know qualms to kind of you know essentially write people off that do any kind of raping any kind of pedo behavior you can get completely ripped off in my book and in general that definitely is one of them ones where you think you know to yourself hey being as being an actor or something is basically some form of a privilege and if you do take the piss out of that privilege by abusing people by raping people then you probably don't deserve to have um such a gift and such a privileged position given to you or whatnot and maybe in that instance it should be taken away from you who knows but regardless the guy got found guilty so you know rip to his career we continue that one and we say um what do we say here what say? Oh, Natasha, you're saying, yeah, no one thinks you didn't do it. So count your lucky stars and keep your head down. Exactly, Natasha. Like, for the most part, there are some rare occasions where we think the person didn't do it. I'm sure there are. On some occasions, we hear some of these guys, you know, they we probably can all assume what we know, what the deal is. Um, but I think for the most part, we all know, we all know, you know, when, when you hear some sort of names, I think your gut instinct tells you certain things like, mm, this is probably believable, this probably isn't believable. So if you do get away with it technic on a technicality, you owe it to yourself and to your family to just keep your head down. You really do. When you don't, when you don't keep your head down, in my opinion, that's kind of a little bit of a sign that you're a little bit of a sociopath. There's some narcissism involved there. Like it's a strange thing in that regard, personally for me they don't keep their head down um there could be a side of it where you're trying to fight the allegations which they don't really i don't think either party when it comes to brian Cannon or chris Lee, has really offered any kind of compelling counter argument to the numerous allegations against them like there isn't you know there's nothing there really it's just nah i didn't do it everything was consensual they made it up it's like really um you can't offer any compelling evidence like even though the accusers are offering corroborating stories of people that they spoke to about it beforehand before you were clouded up when they mentioned it i don't know that whole thing for me doesn't make sense because if that was me and i'm accused of something like that best believe i'm fighting until the death to clear my name that's something that's never gonna stop especially if i'm innocent especially if i know i didn't do it i'm fighting to the end to the end to the end it's never going to stop but i guess some of these guys would rather just you know pretend they didn't do it carry on and also complain it's maybe a weird way to kind of show that you're you know i don't know i don't know i don't know anyway moving on i thought this video is really interesting to play because i thought this was an indication on maybe the price of fame the actual real price of fame and what people are actually willing to do for it because i feel like there was a weird kind of press around Kim Kardashian when she went on, I think she was doing like an interview for Time magazine and she let slip during the interview that, oh, no, I think one of the questions from the crowd actually was, did you ever see like an end, like a, you know, a retirement plan from being Kim Kardashian? 
and essentially she basically tried to lie and say yeah i'm not going to do this forever i've got other things i want to do blah, blah blah which to me i think is a lie and it's unnecessary lie because i think you, you know any person with a brain can look at kim kardashian one time and know that this person was born to be in front of the cameras right was born to be whatever she is an influencer a mogul a media person like she's this is what her life has always been about there's video footage of this girl when she's like a fucking child do you know what I mean performing in front of camera and wanting to be famous and shit and that's always been her kind of number one goal and she achieved it right she completed every single level of being famous she kind of went to the top of the mountain and I just don't think someone like that gives it up she kind of loves the intention clearly loves whatever comes of it good and the bad so I don't think there's anything wrong in just saying that no this is what I love to do and I'm going to die quote unquote on stage but I think in this type of era we live in at the moment you kind of it's maybe isn't the maybe people don't really it's not the chicest thing to do to kind of embrace the fact that you're a fame whore like people don't like that um or to kind of be unapologetically you you kind of have to always pretend that you've got more to you there's more layers sometimes just what you have should be good enough and if it's just you know blatant materialism if it's whatever else you got going on like that should be good enough you shouldn't need to kind of invent this whole other thing going on so you can kind of give yourself more layers like the whole lawyer thing and shit it's just weird but anyway that was something so on top of that she also did some press for the up and coming new season i think for the keeping up the kardashian show and part of the up and coming season promo was this really interesting clip where she speaks about her relationship with Kanye West or lack thereof and the damage um, he did in terms of spreading the rumors about her hooking up with Drake. And I feel like this is a really good clip, interesting clip to play because it is a really good illustration as to the actual real life cost of fame. Because after all these years, after all of Kim Kardashian's successes in business, in media, with her family life, whatever it may be, this whole sex tape with Ray J thing is still something that looms over her head. And it's something that she could never shake for whatever reason. She keeps getting reminded about it. It's obviously something that clearly still annoys her, even though it's something that her and her mum clearly did on purpose to try and propel her career, which is not a bad thing because I still remember at that time that she was coming up. People forget this, but the whole sex tape, personal sex tape thing was a thing back then to kind of boost your career and whatnot. Just for them, it just went super, super viral. But it was something that everyone kind of done. And it sort of was a deal with the devil that they kind of did at the time, wanting to be successful more than anything. And it obviously worked. But for some reason, nowadays, it's seen as a really big slight and it's something to kind of uh, mark to put on her sheet that she's got this thing out there and it's something that she could for never can shake no matter what the fucking succession she has in life which is kind of sad i feel like because i feel like she's done enough nowadays to sort of like remove that sort of like smudge or whatever you may be from her name in general but let's play the clip anyway this is kim kardashian talking about um kanye and the damage of him spreading the rumors about her hooking up with drake all of the craziness everything that kanye says about us like I never comment. I never post. Like, he has made up the most insane narrative about yeah. you and the tape, and we stay silent. We stay silent. But the funny thing about staying silent, I don't really get. If the staying silent thing doesn't help them, because I feel like the staying silent thing, they kind of played into it a little bit. It was kind of beneficial to Chris Jenner's image to be portrayed as this, like, cougar woman who may or may not hooked up with Drake. It was beneficial at the time for them to play up to the idea that Drake may have fucked Kim behind 
Kanye's back, especially when she was going through a period of not liking Kim because Kanye, Drake is like Kanye's mortal enemy for some reason. Like they kind of played into it a little bit, I feel like. But then when it clearly underneath it all, playing into it or not, it's something that clearly does annoy her. It gets under her skin completely. But I feel like they should have cleared it up. If it really wasn't true and it was actually creating some real life damage, they should have cleared it up, but they didn't because it was benefiting them in terms of their bottom line. That's the brutal honest of it. Through all the lies, all the stuff. But you you can't control somebody else. You know, he's doing this to himself. But even just like how he looks so down on me for like my tape and brings it up all over town, all over the media. Like, So this is definitely a thing that Kanye was doing. <laughs> but that's the thing as well about Kanye that I could never really excuse, to be fair as well. That kind of made me look at him a bit of a weird way. Most of us in the pub, in the public knew this was always going to be doomed, right? The, from how Kanye acts and speaks and how the Kardashians kind of go about their lives, not to judge either party, but we just knew that this marriage or this kind of matrimony or this family was doomed. It was never going to last. Cool. But I've always kind of looked at Kanye a little bit beside eye thinking, bro, you actively went after this lady, knowing her past, knowing her history knowing everything that she's done beforehand. You actively spoke glowingly and well of her. You actively, you actively kind of looked the other way when it came to the tape and then suddenly when it benefited you and when you didn't like her anymore, suddenly the tape became an issue. So that's the thing that I've always kind of felt a little bit distasteful about Kanye in that regard. Like you married her knowing what she's about and then suddenly when you married her, you want to start, I don't know what he's wanting to do, covering, especially when he went through his whole like conversion to flipping Christianity, he went to like covering up and stuff and we didn't want her to do certain magazines with malarkey. It's like, bro, you know what you married into, like let her live. You, don't, you shouldn't be like too controlling, but hey, what do I know? Thanks for reminding people once again, all of his shenanigans i don't even know what the f to call it rhetoric is going to be far more damaging to the kids one day than my tape will ever be that's right i don't believe that to be fair i don't, I don't think she believes that i don't think in general unfortunately i think because i'm interested to see actually what happens because we haven't actually had it just yet have we? we haven't actually had the generation of girls who are involved in sex work on only fans and who then eventually go on to have families. So I think we have it already with like um, Adam 22's wife, Adam um, Leonard the Plug. They, they 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 have a kid together. They recently got married. So they kind of, you know, are the, maybe the first generation of that I can think of. But I can't think of many OnlyFans people who are young and have kind of got married and had kids. We just see how that kind of plays out because you would imagine any kid who has a mum online, I think more so women and men, unfortunately, who has an explicit sex tape about them, it's definitely going to be a point of contention. We already see the damage it done to their family when I think it was its saint, right? One of the kids from their family um, was playing Roblox and somebody in there, I guess, must have seen that it was saint and kind of posted the video on the Roblox thing. Because I think Roblox is like, I don't know, maybe you can post videos and shit. Somebody did something that had a link to the sex tape. So it's already causing an issue now where they're young and not really knowing what's going on. So you can imagine how as it progresses, as it gets older, it's probably going to be a, a problem because a lot of kids, you know, as many kids are going to be supporting their parents, there's also going to be kids who are going to grow up and just be like completely different from their parents in every way, shape or form. So I feel like them seeing a sex tape of their mum online is definitely far more damaging than 
their dad, you know, having some <laughs> dilly dances with anti-Semitism and being a fan of Hitler and shit. I reckon, really reckon the tape is going to be more damaged. And you already can see it from how they're responding. They're responding in a way where the tape is definitely more harmful. It's caused them more harm than what Kanye said. They're not sitting down here talking about the damaged it caused them as a family to have Kanye run around town acting like a, you know, a, a flipping Holocaust denier. They're speaking more about the damage of him spreading the rumor that she fucked Drake. So clearly this is an issue. And this is somebody that kind of embraces their sexuality, is free to be naked and embrace them, blah, blah, blah. But still, when people talk out of turn about these sort of things, it clearly gets under her skin. Right. And I have to sit here and not say anything ever because I know one day my kids will appreciate that. And the one that was supposed to protect me and still does interviews saying they will be my forever protector <laughs> is the one that is hurting me the most. He was the one that started a rumor that said I was having, hooking up with Drake, having an affair, a whole marriage. She accused me of that publicly. I'm not too sure if that's true, to be fair, in a narrative of things. I'm not sure if that's true. I think a lot of fans were trying to figure out what Kanye's actual problem with Drake was because it just seemed weird. Because at one point, it seemed like Drake was really infatuated with Kanye. He looked up to him. He was being really kind of like, you know, glowing in praise of him, giving me flowers at every occasion. But it seemed like Kanye had a real issue with the fact that Drake was the number one guy, right? The guy that all the girls liked, the guy that all the guys wanted to be like and shit. He just had a real issue with that. And the fact that he was being played everywhere and he maybe felt that some of the bars that Drake was spitting had subliminals against him and shit. And then I guess the real story around it is that some it was something involving a track that Drake wanted um Kanye to get on he didn't get on it he then puts it out as that poopity scoop thing and then the whole issue with Pusha T starts where Pusha T finds out about Drake's secret kid and Drake makes the correlation that he just told Kanye about his secret kid recently and he felt that you know Kanye was going back behind his back and feeding Pusha T info about him so that was it but I think fans were trying to figure out what was going on and one of the hypotheses or theories out there was that oh Drake must have fucked Kim that's the only thing that would have sent Kanye into a tizzy if he found out the person that he hated as a rapper also had fucked his baby mother's or wife behind his back. That would really kind of get under his skin. And I think Drake obviously played into it. He didn't deny it because he knew how much anguish it was causing Kanye. But I don't think it was a rumor that he was starting. And if anything, he was also trying to, I feel like, get clarification and find out if it was true behind the scenes because I think Drake told him flat out it wasn't from what we heard from Ye. I think on Drink Champs, he basically said, yeah, he asked he asked Drake and he said no I didn't but I don't think he believed him so he was probably you know floating it around town and saying you know asking questions at dinner parties and whatnot because he really wanted clarification because he didn't believe the woman and stuff so but again I don't think it's fair to say Kanye started it but you know again you can see this gets under her skin like it definitely is a thing so the person that's supposed to protect me the most publicly would accuse me of having an affair throughout our whole marriage I really can't wrap my head around yeah. how he thinks he is a protector. You know, at some time. And that's that's the things I, I agree with her on that one. I think, you know, if this is actually causing your wife at the time anguish and pain, 
you should go out your way to kind of try and you know quell all that stuff and be protecting as you can in that way but maybe his way of protecting Kanye at the time was what he said was his protecting way where I think he organized with WAC, 20, WAC 100 to get the last piece of footage of the tape off from him and shit so no one could put it out and he spoke to Ray J so maybe in his own way Kanye feels like he was protecting her by not allowing more BTS extra footage to kind of come out from that sex tape from back in the day with Ray J but at the time you know it is what it is they were going through a pretty disastrous breakup but Again, this is the price of fame. I feel like people don't really speak about often because Kim is like the most famous person in the world, maybe the most famous person in the world. But she had to make a deal with the devil when she first started out to kind of get that little pop to kind of really go viral. And she basically rid that way for, you know, two plus decades and has become incredibly successful, rich and famous because of it. But it's still an odd cloud that hangs over her head and i'm really interested as to why that's the case because i feel like nowadays sex work and sex tapes and all this sort of stuff is not as much of a faux pas as it was yesteryears like i don't think people really give a shit anymore if a guy's fucking dick pic leaks or a woman's nude leaks but you know back in the day when the fappening happened and people were hacking into celebrity celebrity people's iClouds and leaking their nudes and shit that was a big deal it still is a big deal don't get me wrong but it was a real career shaming ender type of thing but i don't think it is anymore so it's really interesting to see that despite all the changes in culture all the changes that we're having as a society and what we kind of deem to be acceptable not acceptable there's still this shame attached to that sex tape that she had with somebody that she in a relationship and again this isn't a sex tape with some random guy in a porn studio she was dating ray j at the time this is a sex tape between two people who are in a relationship it shouldn't be that big of an issue but it clearly is a big issue for her and she can't shake it off and it probably doesn't help that kanye <laughs> the father of her children and her ex-husband is definitely somebody who's perpetuating this thing and pushing it out there in the long run but i think she's delusional she thinks that Kanye's love of Hitler is way more harmful for the kids than her sex tape because clearly the sex tape is an issue because there's a whole generation of kids out there also who are anti only fan girls and don't think they're worthy of having you know having kids or having a, you know a stable relationship they think they're bottom of the barrel women all this sort of weird narrative that exists out there right um there's the kind of fresh and fit way of kind of looking at women if that's the case then that is kind of the case, isn't it? You kind of have to kind of play your cards as you're dealt with them, kind of. You have to kind of hope in that regard. Anyway, moving on with that one. I'm going to play this clip as well, courtesy of, I'm not sure what podcast this is. It's, I think it's a guy called Big Fats and Boosie's on there speaking. And he's speaking on there a little bit about Gunner and the fact that he's now out. And I'm curious to know, like, what's the infatuation, especially in America, or especially just in black culture overall, with being obsessed with the whole like snitching thing because i understand it from boosie's side of things i think boosie has a history of somebody in his camp i think one of his shooters got arrested and basically he got implicated in some stuff because his shooter snitched on some certain things so i can understand if you were directly involved in things and you're you were living a street life and you were in a gang and you had somebody snitch on you and potentially take you away from your children and ruin your life and stuff even though they agreed to that lifestyle too but suddenly they had a change of heart i can understand why it would affect you but to a regular schmegular civilian who's never lived that lifestyle, why would it be, why would it bother you that Gunner snitched or didn't snitch? 
it shouldn't really bother you in the slightest, really, in my opinion. But let's play the clip anyway. This is Boosie talking about the whole topic on this podcast. You want to play? Thing that came out this week. He said, um, basically said, gonna a rat. Do you think you can be have that type of label in this industry and have a successful career? I think Ghana might be done unless he goes to probably another country. Yeah. Yeah, because Weezy say f it. He we, did. Weezy really out of here. Weezy say he out of here. Weezy out of here. Weezy say that. Yeah, like Weezy said like, like, like a couple days, days ago. ago. I saw this shit. Weezy said you out of here. Everybody's saying, hey, you might need to go to, I, I mean. He said he's he working on something. You know, I don't though. want no rat to excel. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I no. hope he never sell a record again. I know. I, know. Yeah. I, I really hope he never sells another record again. You know, I don't, you know, I just, you know. I, what if, what if. Uh, I've been hurt. Yeah, what, if it, what if, um, uh. yeah, what if. So, I hope he never sells another record again. Again, when it comes from. Boosie, I get it because he's directly been involved in situations where a snitch and somebody that was a part of the lifestyle, part of that culture, a part of that way of life decided to then rat on everybody to spare themselves time. I think there is a lack of honor involved in that. Fair enough. If you're involved in the lifestyle, but if you're just a consumer of the music, why would you care if Gunnar snitched or not? It's a very bizarre thing. And I feel like in some regards on podcasts, it feels like a weird way for men especially to kind of feel like they're bad to feel like they're bad boys when you speak about this type of stuff because i enjoy watching documentaries on youtube don't get me wrong i enjoy watching all these documentaries about the war in chirac and whoever's warring here in memphis and stuff they're interested to see from like a documentary point of view but i'm not making any informed lifestyle decisions or personal choices based on what those people do or acting tough because of it but it does remind me a lot of the people there's a certain segment of guys who watch like ufc and mma who kind of make it their part of their identity because they hope it makes them look hard and makes them look like they can fight and i think it's the same thing with guys who talk aggressively and often about who snitched why they snitched should snitches be allowed back in the industry it's fucking nonsense like Gunner is still one of the best rappers in the scene um you know one of the most successful before the whole trial went i'm sure even more successful now with all that attention on him but people that just love the music he's gonna do well there's no way shadow doubt about it and unfortunately in this industry we're in if you do well and your numbers hit the industry will push you regardless because you're going to be good for business so this idea that he's going to be caught he's going to be blackballed and he's not going to sell records and shit is ridiculous the guy sells records easily anyway and now with this extra level of you know this this extra storyline attached to his name i'm sure it's only going to increase the intrigue so that's never really going to happen in terms of him not being able to sell records but i just find regular civilians interest in who snitches and who doesn't snitches to be really ridiculous kind of sad and a bit corny to be completely fair but it is also it is also a instinct and a clue here that Gunner is definitely looking to step out and ready to come back outside and be putting music out because we're seeing pictures of him out and about this is the slowest rollout I've seen so far post snitch because I felt like once he did snitch on YSL that he was going to um wait until the trial verdict to then go about restarting his career but unfortunately he's probably got his own mouth to feed bills to pay 
and just maybe music to tell, music to get out there and express. And he has to kind of get back out there and kind of, I want to say strike while his iron's hot, but just restart his life as he, as it may be. And this is a good example of it because he has recently spotted at a basketball game, sitting there chilling. And he obviously looks in rarely good Nick. So one thing you could say for snitching is that if you want to snitch, it definitely does help in terms of your health. You definitely go on some sort of health glow up. When you snitch, you want to come out looking completely different and maybe feeling different, sounding different, acting different, moving different based on the traumatic experience that you went through. But you can't help but feel sorry and sad for like young Fug knowing that Gunner is out here on the side of basketball games, chilling, having a good time with his friends while Fug is in court sweating his face off looking really stressed facing double digit time in prison and one of his kind of main guys who he brought through and responsible for kind of bringing up is out here you know at basketball games chilling having a good time and shit that's the real kind of bittersweet side of like living the street life and being a part of a gang is that sometimes you know your friends get off because they cooperate you hold it down because you're really about that life but then you end up with the far worse consequences in this because now there's no option for you to do a plea deal or anything you have to just sit there and take it to trial so that's the only kind of sad thing in there but Gunner is looking really good though that's definitely good to be said this is a second picture of him also um, a fan bumped into him while she was walking around town and he's definitely lost a ton of weight I must say he's already lost 60 pounds clearly um, he's even like and you can tell he's lost a lot of weight because you know he's gotten rid of the chin strap that's usually a first sign that guys lose a lot of weight they start to take off the the beard there's no need for it because your jawline's already popping through because the you know the skin the weight loss on your face is already there so he's definitely looking in great nick i'm gonna say he, i'm gonna say he lost about 60 pounds clearly i think personally it's about 60 pounds here he's lost um but yeah it's just a bit that's the only thing that's a bit sad bittersweet to see if you're a fan of ysl as a label to see Fug going through what he's going through and to see Gunner out here <laughs> striving, looking successful, gearing up for an album rollout. That's the only bittersweet side of things, to be honest. But this is the unfortunate real realities of living the street life. And um, yeah, only wish Fug the best. Free slime. Hope he gets out soon. Hope he gets out soon. Um, Going on from that one. But yeah, 60 people are saying here. Um, Tommy says I'm no, I make no switching and you see part of my family it's alpha male thing cool I agree with that one Gintashki says 60 pounds is a lot yeah 60 pounds is a lot to lose in weight but I think for most people I think I've, I've said it previously on here a lot of times especially myself you know going through my weight loss journey and just in general being a fan of fashion I've always said myself that I think the biggest glow up anyone can make is losing at least 30 to 60 pounds i think if most people decided to just lose 30 to 60 pounds instead of buying new clothes or instead of buying spanks and shit you would have a major glow up like the options that would open up for you losing 30 to 60 pounds would be incredible it doesn't matter man or woman lose 30 to 60 pounds and it will drastically change what you look like how you carry yourself what 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 works on you what you're looking what you're willing to take a chance on it can make such a big difference but unfortunately it's the hardest thing to do the easiest thing to do is to buy spanks to buy tights um you know whatever to buy bigger baggier clothing but the hardest thing to do is to commit to a healthy diet is to exercise drink loads of water cut out all the shit stuff like that's the hard thing to do really but actually if you make the effort 30 to 60 pounds 
it's impossible to look bad. Impossible. Impossible to look bad after cutting fed to 60 pounds, in my opinion. But what do I know? Next year, we've got this clip or article, sorry, for courtesy of Complex, which I think is absolutely hilarious. It says, New York lawyer has been fired after a video that accused him of snatching a black woman's wig. <laughs> I'm not too sure on this because the colour of the wig looks like it's not like a wig that someone would wear seriously it looks like a wig you'd wear like as a part of a costume but you know maybe i don't know new york women too well so it's courtesy of complex it says a new york city lawyer has been fired from his job after a viral tiktok video showed a black woman accused him of snatching her wig as she was walking down the street as shown in the original video uploaded by lizzie ashley in, in the past week the man is approached and asked why he allegedly pulled the wig off so let me see if i can find it actually i've got the video here actually that i pulled so it's the video of the actual event right so you have to see what actually happened so this is the video of the of the post wig snatching occasion and please um i'm going to lower a bit the volume but um, if you've got headphones please be careful because this woman is very very screamy all right in terms of a uh, level of volume so be prepared she's gonna scream sir for what fucking reason for what reason for what Come on, let's go. Come on. What reason did you take my wig off? Let's go back on one more. Sir, for what fucking reason? For what reason? For what reason did you take my wig off? Because what? What made you think that that was the good thing to do? What made you think that that was the good thing to do? For what? For what? Why did you do that? What makes you think that that's okay? Is that funny? Is that funny? You don't even fucking know me. No. Do you hate women or something? Why did you take my wig off and keep walking? His friend is trying to save him. My video keeps buffering, but his friend is trying to save him. Please apologize, please. He's saying no. She's not having it. Why is the video buffering so long? Why did you take my wig off and just walk away? Because what? Anyway, you get the gist of the video. She's screaming. She's screeching. She's not happy about it. Personally, for me, I think the, the wig looks... I don't know. It looks a bit fake. But maybe it was a wig that she was wearing daily. It's still an incredible intrusion of fucking private space and shit that people do that i don't understand but it also kind of reminds me a little bit about this occasion that i had once walking out and about um in london going out somewhere and this guy in front of us that we saw um randomly just grabbed a woman's boob in front of us um she was wearing if i remember correctly she was wearing some sort of like a top that you know showed off her fucking cleavage and shit and she had like glitter all over her top and stuff and you know looking amazing and whatnot but this guy had no business to do this. Like she basically, she was literally, I think she must have, we saw her from afar. She was coming up to the guy in front of us and he just reached out and grabbed her boob. Like crazy shit. Just reached out and grabbed her boob like I was walking by. I'm thinking like, what the fuck are you doing? Obviously we kind of gave him some words and whatnot and told him how much of a creep and shit he was and he kind of ran away. But I just remember thinking like, why would the guy do that randomly? Someone's minding their business 
going about what they're doing and then you just randomly reach out and pull their shit same with this like there's nothing worse than this than the version of like somebody deciding to like take your hat off and shit i know it's a kind of a thing that people do especially boys to the piss out of other guys hairline but for me it's always been a bit of a triggering thing where someone comes and takes my hat off and thinks it's funny like i, I don't play those games like that will legitimately make me want to fight somebody like honestly when I make me fight somebody so I can only imagine if you're a woman um and you've got your wig on and shit you're already maybe having some complexes or whatever when it comes to your hair or you just don't want people to fucking touch you it's an invasion of privacy and personal space all that malarkey and they come around you as you're going on your way out or whatever living your life and they pull your fucking wig off and they don't have the decency when confronted you just say sorry that's also the thing that kind of gets me with these people like you play these games to be funny the other person doesn't find it funny they call you out on it and you can't even say sorry in the moment just be like sorry i'm really sorry please i didn't mean it it was a moment of craziness i was going dumb whatever maybe just at least even if the firing still happens in the video just be like hey i'm really sorry to you as a person i know i hurt your feelings can you forgive me like that is a great way to kind of go about life in terms of look i learned my lesson i was doing too much there it won't happen again I'm, i apologize nah just the smug entitled douchebag smile that for the most part tells me a lot of these guys there's girls even that do this sort of thing also attitude wise it's just people who've never kind of had any real consequences in life in terms of you chat shit you get banged like this guy has definitely never been punched in the face before for saying something stupid you just kind of get allowed to say what you you just get let off to say what you want because of your position because of who you are because of your friendship circle no one wants to do confrontation and shit but sometimes getting punched in your face from time to time growing up can definitely help to kind of iron out these people but the real consequence is definitely this article because it said he's been fired right so as you as it continues here it kind of describes the video which we already watched but if we scroll down here it tells us in the comments for the video which is now almost sixty thousand likes and has over forty four thousand comments users were able to determine the identity of the man and um, and he was called this is his name i'm not going to say it here his name and picture appeared on the website of of this law agency where he's listed as an associate he has since been removed from the site so i guess people were just bombarding this law firm and eventually they kind of you know basically fired him in a post shared on his linkedin account the law firm confirmed that the person is no longer employed there he says we'll be made aware of the video of the non-work related incident involving one of our associates um we take this seriously inappropriate behavior by any employee whether inside or outside the workplace and the associates no longer working at this firm so this is ridiculously this is definitely one of those accounts of like chat shit get banged and consequences have you know consequence culture as opposed to cancel culture because this was so unnecessary so unneeded there was no real reason for him to do this in the slightest a moment of madness a moment of douchebagness and instead of just saying sorry in a moment he felt entitled enough to kind of just smile and smug and even at the behest of his friends he still did it and this again is further proof to me i think there's a lot of like women especially on tit on twitter for the most part who kind of chastise men and tell them they need to get better friends and call them out this is a clear example of it most douchebag guys have friends 
that are sensible and tell them not to do douchebag things, but they continue to do so. And like most people, if you're friends with somebody, you just at the at, at some point, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to keep going on at you about this thing. I'm just going to enjoy you for your friendship and the things that I like and the things that I don't like. I'm just not going to pay attention to it because you're beyond help. I keep telling you not to do that, but you keep doing it. So there are some people that have those type of friendships where you might pull up your friend a couple of times and say, hey, stop you know, doing this when we're out. Stop scaring away all the hoes. Stop being annoying. Stop being this, stop being that. And they don't. Sometimes you break off communication. Or sometimes you just learn how to kind of deal with them in small doses. And in this occasion, the friend was trying his best. The friend was trying his best. Bro, please stop. That's his friend's hands there. Please stop. Just say sorry, bro. That's not cool. Say sorry. He's not, he's just like smiling at him. Why should I say sorry, bro? I did nothing wrong, bro. I did nothing wrong. And now look, you've been fired over some nonsense like this. So, you know, he, he deserved it anyway, shape or form. Should say sorry in a moment. And also keep your hands to yourself. Keep your bloody hands to yourself. Moving on from this, I want to quickly touch upon this quickly as I end the show. I want to know, right, what is a deal? I wonder what the deal is. And maybe I have to kind of look into it a little bit further. I wonder what the deal is with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp issue and trial and shit. Because the reason why I mentioned is because at the top of the show, I mentioned I went to like a panel discussion place. Um, and one of the people on the panel, this comedian called Grace Campbell, seemed to have a real bee in her bonnet with men that she's dated in the past or known, who essentially she described that you know they kind of use the whole Amber Heard verdict as an excuse to say all women lie about occurrences of rape and abuse and whatnot in relationships because obviously in that case Amber Heard got you know proven in a court of law to maybe not be telling the truth in terms of how she painted the relationship and Jane Depp came out as the non-guilty party of it but I think anybody with eyes and with sense could see from the evidence that they presented in court that both people were super toxic and they had no business being in relationship with each other. They brought the worst out of each other and they were both abusive in their own ways. Maybe Johnny Depp wasn't as physically abusive as Amber Heard said she was, but he definitely did things to her that you would be classified as abusive. But I think both parties were as bad as each other, clearly, um, in, this, in that case. But for some reason, it seems to be a case that still divides opinion so much. So even though Johnny Depp got found innocent in a court of law of whatever Amber Heard accused him of, it still is something that people, fans alike, just have their own impression of what is what happened and what occurred. I'm not really too sure why, why that is because I don't feel like this is something to waste energy on because I feel like both people person, personally, in relationship-wise, seem like to be terrible people. So I don't know why anybody's capping for anyone. Whether you're a Johnny Depp fan or Amber Heard fan, I don't see why you would go extra hard for either party when they both seem to be quite deplorable. Like, maybe it's just me. I think they're both pretty deplorable in terms of how they acted and went on about life. Like, like I don't understand why people are like rallying behind Amber Heard because she's probably not the greatest person to kind of put your hat on. Same goes for fucking Johnny Depp. But regardless is what it is um this article here because your paychex again is interesting because there's this constant need in the media now narrative to try and play one off the other 
So whenever Johnny Depp has a, has a good thing happening in media, an opposite article will come out bashing him. And when another thing happens with Amber Heard, opposite person come bash. It's a kind of like a tennis match. It never ends. And I'm wondering if it is ever going to end. And we're ever, never we're kind of going to get to a stage where we just stop hearing about these people in general, and we just hear about them when they have movies or TV shows out. Because now this headline goes to your page six. It says Amber Heard beams in a new home at, in Madrid as ex Johnny Depp cancels tour of her injury. Like, what does one have to do with the other? The fact that Amber Heard is in Madrid now living life, what does it have to do with Johnny Depp cancelling his tour? I don't know. But they keep playing them over each other and keep making it into a thing. But the article says Amber Heard's um, happiness can't be contained. Clearly, you know, they're in the pocket of the Heard camp there. Um, now that she's living in Spain, the Aquaman actress ventured out to a book fair with a friend in Madrid on Sunday and couldn't keep a smile off her face. Dressed in head-to-toe black, Heard walked around with goodies from her fair as she carried three totes filled with books. The Rum Dyes actress, 37, who reportedly quit Hollywood to live in Spain, capital with a two-year-old, and wore her hair in a ponytail and also had a visor on. Heard had no problem showing off beautiful teeth as she grinned. <laughs> what kind of article is this? As she grinned and chatted with her pal. Who fucking writ this? Her best friend. Francesca Bacardi, yo, you need to chill. Her beautiful teeth. <laughs> what? Okay, that's I've heard there. <laughs> Walking in the thing. Um obviously out there in Spain. Um, talking in Espanol with the peoples. Actress Pearly White's a far cry from her ex-husband, Johnny Depp, is working with, with in the dental department. The price is like, oh, they, oh no, they did him dirty. They did him dirty. They're comparing <laughs> the teeth. <laughs> They're comparing Johnny Depp's uh, uh, Marlboro Lights stained teeth and Amber Heard's, you know, gorgeous turkey chompers. <laughs> or Colombian chompers or maybe uh no or bel-air chompers right probably she probably got them from some clinic somewhere in bel-air god almighty mate absolutely insane <laughs> the price of caribbean recently star under fire of having brown teeth uh, appeared to be rotting at the premiere of his film genou de barry at 2003 Cannes film festival the thing about johnny depp's teeth that surprised me was just that you don't really see it. I think because I'm so used to consuming content from like the black side of things, like when it comes to like black, you know, entertainment, like urban stuff and hip hop and whatnot, especially UK and US, a lot of people in that field and sometimes a lot of people involved in like the trashier sides of reality TV, they've all got fake teeth on, right? They've all got fucking porcelain white um, chompers in from Turkey or from Colombia or whatnot. So when you do see somebody in Hollywood, conventional Hollywood, who hasn't got veneers, it's just strange to see like regular, you know, teeth, like just falling how they do. Janky, crooked, yellow, or stained. It takes you a while because I'm so used to seeing girls from like Bad Girls Club, you know, rappers, and people from like, you know, um, keep Vanderpump rules. All these people all have fucking perfect you know, white smiles because they all get their teeth fucking, their real teeth sawed down and get fucking caps put on them and to cover them up and shit. So when you see an actual person with actual real teeth, like what actual real people everyday life normally have, more so, it takes you aback because, you know, you're used to seeing everybody in the entertainment industry going out of their way to get 30,000 plus worths of teeth put into their mouth and shit. But yeah, his teeth are a madness to be fair. I don't actually blame them from the New York Post highlighting them because 
to be a Hollywood star at that level and have your front. It's one thing if you have a couple of si ones on the on the sides that are a little bit stained, but to have the ones in the front all stained like that, that's a lot of whiskey. That's a lot of like chewing tobacco. That's maybe a lot of H, right? That might be a lot of H. <laughs> that might be, a, I don't know, some other shit. That might be a lot of booty holes. That's a lot of, th that's a lot of life in those mouth, right? That's definitely somebody that, you know, has hung out with a few comedians. <laughs> because he looks crazy. Yo. Um, and then we continue. Uh, look at it. The zoom in. Oh, my God. Look at the zoom. Yo, the zoom is crazy. Look at that zoom. The front teeth is crazy. The lack of lip balm is mad as well. It's pretty crazy, isn't it, right? Black people, black, so white people don't like to moisturize. They don't like to use any kind of, you know, lip conditioner or anything. It's like fucking hell. Anyway, although fans suspected that Depp's trumpers were decaying, celebrity dentist Appa told Dr. Page Six that the brown spots were actually a result of aggressive wear. Dr. Depp, sorry, the Depp's teeth are, aren't the only thing preventing him from smiling these days. The rocker, 59, has recently forced to postpone his band's tour as he recovers from a painful anchor injury. Okay, cool. Anyway, we get it. There he is. Imagine paying tickets to see Joan Depp's band perform live. That's some next level thing. But anyway, um... I don't know. I think it's. I think it's weird. I think the media playing them off of each other and you know is odd. People standing and you know for either party is really strange. Also, I think they're both pretty reprehensible in their own ways. This is a wild way to carry a phone in Madrid, though. To be fair, like she's just asking to get pickpocketed. Like Madrid people don't. They don't play. That's not a place to go and just walk around your phone like that in the open. That's some white privilege shit. She must, she must have been in a, in a good area or next to some fucking big security guards or a house is right around the corner because you can't be carrying your phone around on some massive bit of rope like that as a handbag on the side of you. Like in Madrid, that'll get snatched, to be fair. But hey, what do I know? So, big up Amber Heard, big up Johnny Depp. Anybody that's going out of their way to kind of stand both of them is weird because I feel like they're both pretty horrendous people to be in relationships with clearly and i don't know i feel like it's not really a, that controversial of a statement to make really but for some reason any time their names come up in public um women especially seem to have a very visceral reaction in terms of like wanting to hate johnny depp and also hating guys who maybe see his little win as some sort of moral victory for men because i feel like for them women what i've heard they feel like guys are you doing it as an excuse to basically say, oh, all women lie, which I don't think they are doing. But, you know, I get the rationale. I get where it's coming from. But I just think everyone just needs to chill out and relax. It's not that deep, personally. That's what I think. But hey, um, what do I know? Anyway, that has been the Excellent Zinger Show episode number 678. Thanks for tuning in. If it's your first time checking out the show, I do appreciate it as per usual. If you want to see some more stuff regarding myself, click the links in the description below. Website link. There'll be a link to my social media all there and some other links as well to articles that I spoke about in the in the pod if you want to kind of check those over too. You can check that out on there as well. Um, so I do appreciate that. If you're listening to this via the audio side of the podcast, you will hear uh, my tune of the day playing underneath this as a little bed before I kind of outro out and for everybody else tuning into the show live please come back in what i guess 
uh, 10 minutes or so I'll set up the next stream for random show so if you want to know more stuff about the comedy stuff and I'll try and get through some new stuff that I could, or some old stuff that I didn't get before and obviously cover some new stuff that I can cover here and there so a random show will be coming up right after this but for now this has been the end of the Exxon Zinger show episode number 678 if you've enjoyed it please make sure you smash the like button down below for me if you listen via the audio side of the platform please make sure you leave me a 5 star review that's all the arcs and I'll be greatly greatly appreciated but for now take care my friends appreciate everybody in the stream chat for hanging in there i'll be back very very soon take care everybody it's been amazing i'll see you guys again very very soon be safe and be well my friends peace so would I.